Welcome, everyone, to thecapscorner.com. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the Pledge of Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, November the 11th. Cavaliers uh, should be on a bye week. We should be doing, I don't know, some sort of very different show, probably all basketball focused. Um, but instead, they got like a weird half bye, um, <laughs> which is the only thing I can think to call it uh, a weird half bye. Um, got a few days off last week and then are back in game prep for Louisville once again, as we discussed on this year program uh, one week ago. Tonight, though, we're going to start with basketball. The Cavaliers are just a few weeks away from tipping off their 2020-2021 season. That's a mouthful. Um, so we will get into sort of the trajectory of everything, all ACC voting, Virginia for the first time since 1982, the preseason pick to win the ACC. Uh, we'll talk about all ACC, um, first team. Um, I like how there magically becomes a second team, even though we don't vote for a second team. They're like just throwing all the other dudes. Um, and then uh, player of the year, rookie of the year, all that fun stuff. Uh, and then after that, we will get into football and preview f- for real this time um, the game against Louisville, which in some ways is extremely interesting. Um, which I'm um, really, you know, kind of curious to get other thoughts on. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody. First up in uh, Fishersville, David Spence is back on the show. How's it going, dude? Hey, I'm doing well, man. It's good to be back. I appreciate you guys waiting like an hour and ten minutes to announce <laughs> my absence coming. last week. <laughs> Good dudes. Who days on the board at? Who days on Twitter? <laughs> I wish. I wish. Uh, I wish there had been a camera on me at the end of that, and when it when it like popped in my head that we had not actually said that you weren't on the show. Um, I, man, I I really did feel bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dave. I, but let me like. I would like to publicly apologize to Dave uh, for uh, for not mentioning why he wasn't on the program last week. But uh, we're glad to have you back. Um, my uh my my partner in crime in that uh in that said endeavor up in uh arlington staff writer justin ferber also on the program what's going on my man hey i don't do intros or explanations (laughs) so i take no responsibility but i do think it's funny that we did like a three-minute thing about steve kornacki before we got to dave not being on the show (laughs) and the first thing we said when we hung up was oh dave's gonna be pissed about that one um At Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> what's really funny, though, is that Ferber said something about like, we were going to get a text at like 8 o'clock the next day, and then it was like literally days later when he finally listened to it and realized what, he, what we had done. Yeah. Um, I guess because there was no game. That's so. true. He didn't, I was he, on a bye week. Man. That's right. He was on. A, yeah, he, he suddenly break. was on a bye week. He needed to. Uh, I hope that you just, you just instead of watching the game, listen to the pod. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's I pretty did, much. Had it. a couple of drinks, turned the pod on. Yeah. Yelled at yelled at the uh, at your um, phone for no apparent reason. Just every once in a while. Oh, I'm sure we said a lot of dumb stuff. No, no. I'm, well, I mean, I was thinking more along the lines of, like the way he yells at refs. But man, that's probably true too. I don't know. I thought I thought we did a good job, Dave. Give us your review of of last week's episode. How did how much did you enjoy it? <laughs> <laughs> Roast us live uh, as we record, and then then you can have your uh, your just desserts. <laughs> I mean. I kind of didn't listen. What's I, I didn't hear my, myself mention now? No, it was good. It was good. I mean, some good time filling there. We we've never had a problem filling time on this podcast in the eight year history of it. So no, it was good. Um, I think if about we the guy missing it, more, if, but. We, if we made it through the quarantine months, I think we're going to be set for a long time in terms of being able to fill time. Yes, I think we're good. No, it was a good podcast. I mean, yeah, no complaints from me. 
I listened to it driving to the lake, so it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. <laughs> hey, it kept me awake. I appreciate you. <laughs> I was getting a little worried though. I was watching the Tom, you know, the Tom meter tick down. It was like three minutes left, and I still hadn't heard any mention of why I wasn't there. It was like, mm-hmm. man. It was an homage to UVA's title run of 2019. We waited yeah. until the last few minutes to, for the drama. Yeah, I appreciate it. Win percentage was pretty low when y'all pulled it out. I just want to mm-hmm. stay for the record that I love the idea that you were watching the clock, essentially, of the podcast to see when we would talk about you. There's just something really poetic about that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just trying to I always like switch over to the podcast, Conan and they're like, all right, we're wrapping up now. And you look at the thing, and there's like 15 minutes left, and you're like, what happened? <laughs> when I listen, I listen to all these shows now that are like um, – that are like membership driven, right? So you, yeah. There's like an episode that sort of quote unquote ends, like this. and then there's like thirty extra minutes, right? And so even them, even when they say like, all right, well, um, you know, you can find so and so's work at such and such and such and such, and you look down, and you're like, oh, forty seven minutes left, great. We're uh, gonna start putting Dave only content behind on the Patreon, <laughs> the Patreon, yeah. the the mythical Patreon. Some person's gonna go look on Patreon for us in a minute and uh, not find us. Um, but anyway, all right, we are like five minutes in and we haven't even actually talked about anything important. I mean, not that you're not that Dave's not important, but anyway, I'm digging myself. Deeper. Let's be truthful. We're all just waiting to see if any news gets done. That's true. We we're we're essentially we're extending the time frame of uh, of how how long it is before we talk about Louisville before any news actually might break. I, I genuinely don't think anything is going to come, but we'll see. We'll see what the next hour of our lives brings. But first, let's start on the basketball side. We um, it's funny because the the bye week. For me, I knew UVA was going to plan to do um, basketball media day during that week. Um, but in some ways, from for the website purposes, like it kind of worked out because I kind of got the benefit of like a full week uh, and then got I got to do it again. But I, I, I wrote a thing on Friday, kind of a, a, a scene setter, so to speak, on the preseason. And I went into that thinking that UVA was going to end up being um, – the the favorite to win the ACC this year um, did not necessarily though think that um, that the that the gap would be what it was and I that's kind of where I want to start this conversation because you know realistically like I think it was pretty clear that UVA has you know easily the best team going into the season now obviously you know once you get to games and all that fun stuff I was a little bit fascinated though at the breakdown so Virginia gets 97 first place votes finishes with 2,214 points. Duke gets 34 first-place votes, but finishes 21 with 2,146 points, which tells me um, that a whole bunch of people who didn't have Virginia number one had Virginia somewhere pretty far down and had Duke pretty high up. Um, now, maybe it's just it just so happened that the, the folks who had Duke first had Virginia, you know, lower than, like, fourth or fifth, right? Um you know, in that, in those, you know, sort of spots, maybe that's why the points are as close as they are, but for basically to not have, to have 63 uh, more first place votes and only be ahead by less than a hundred points, it says a lot. Um, let's just start the conversation here. Dave, were you surprised at all to see Virginia be the, the pick? Um, or did you think that, you know, typical sort of way this works that one of the, you know, the triangle schools would, would get the nod? I mean, I think you've got to be surprised, right? I mean, we've had – I was thinking about it today. Um, I mean, the history of this podcast, we've discussed, what, four regular season titles, two ACC tournament titles, a national title, but we've never been able to discuss being preseason favorite to win the ACC. Like, that's kind of mind-boggling. Um, I mean, and it's the first time it's happened in my life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're 
you're young, Justin. We get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, even I was in elementary school the last time it happened. That's how long ago it was. Um, no, yeah, I'm still a little surprised just because of the historical aspect. But, you know, Duke, I think Duke's got a potential to have a really good team. But, you know, their incoming freshmen this year don't have kind of the hype of like a Zion or something. Um, and plus you've had this weird year where you've kind of disconnected from sports for a while. So um, if there was a year, you know, even if they were a little closer, now I do think Virginia's got the most talented roster um, of any of the schools in the ACC, proven talent. Um, I wonder if it'd be, you know, if maybe Duke would have been, would have won if, you know, there'd have been a normal off season and everything for the normal hype train to get rolling. But no, I think given what, what Virginia's got coming back and the addition to Sam Hauser, if you follow the program and pay attention, you, you know what they are. Um, you know, I mean, I think I texted you guys about the, yeah, I did. I think it was you guys. I texted um, about the difference between the first place votes and the, the total. Cause it was kind of, kind of weird given how many more first place votes UVA had, but you know, if you're someone who doesn't follow UVA and what they've got replacing, you know, they did. They are losing Mamadi Diakite and Braxton Key, who, you know, were very good last year for a team that, you know, looking back, we we think they were on a roll, but you know, they won a lot of games by the skin of their teeth because the offense was just kind of clunky all year. So, I mean, I don't think you can fault someone if they didn't pick them first. But yeah, I mean, not surprised because of the talent, but surprised historically. I think for me, Ferber and I um, had votes, and I don't. Uh, Ferber, if you want to talk about your ballot here, I, I'm more than happy to talk about mine. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, one of the when I f- first sat down to do this thing, the one of the first things I did was 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 pencil UVA in at first. Um, I, yeah. I, I didn't think it was much of a conversation, and that's not even. I, this was one of those times where, like, you know, there have definitely been times where I voted for things where uh, I'm sure that my um, familiarity with UVA's program or with its players have led me to vote in a way that maybe somebody on the outside might call me a homer, right? But this was, I mean, I was so unequivocal about this. Like, yeah, okay, so Virginia's number one. Like, it just wasn't even an idea for me. So I had, in my order of finish, well, let's just go top five. I had UVA, Louisville, Duke, Florida State, Carolina uh, in that order. Ferber, what did you have on your ballot? Mine was pretty similar. I had Virginia first. Duke second, Louisville third, North Carolina fourth, Florida State fifth. Okay, um, so, so to me it was a is a function of three things. One, I think Sam Hauser is an absolute like perfect fit, not just for like what UVA needs, but what UVA wants to do. Um, I think you can do a lot of different stuff with him in continuity ball screen. You can do you know if you wanted to run block remover, you could do that. His his ability to pick and pop, um, you know, to to kind of come off and either give you know go forward or or go back to the to the line I think is is important um I also think that his experience and and, and in Ferber's feature that he wrote today kind of did a good job of really kind of framing this like this kid has played a lot of basketball um now granted it's in a different conference in a different system with a different team so I'm not trying to say that it's going to be you know a one-to-one sort of ratio but this kid has played a lot of games um and the fact that he had to sit out last year it that's not normal for him. I mean, I think he played every game of his sophomore and junior seasons, and I want to say like 22 or 19 of, of, of the games as a freshman with a whole bunch of starts. I mean, he's seen a lot of action. I just think that his experience and his, um, his ability to, um, to sort of process things, even in a new system, it, it'll be, you know, it might be a little clunky for him at first, but I really believe that, 
that he's going to be a, a big difference maker. Um, so for me, picking UVA, I, I was not surprised, put it to you like this. Um, had this been a Carolina year, right, where Carolina typically will have a few upperclassmen uh, at times who, um, you know, guys who have a lot of, um, a lot of burn in their, in their background, had, maybe I could see somebody trying to pick them. Uh, and maybe that's why Garrison Brooks won preseason player of the year over Hauser. But realistically, I just I just thought it was a foregone conclusion. What about you, Ferber? Yeah, I mean, I thought the Virginia part pick was pretty easy just because, like you said, um, it's not all it's not just an indi- indication of what we think about UVA this year. It's also an indication of the rest of the league. Like like Dave said, I think Duke has a talented, you know, obviously a talented roster and a great coach. Um, but I don't know if it's safe to expect the same from them in the preseason as you would a team with a bunch of veterans um, who are also going to be good. And then North Carolina, I mean, I was going through the ballot and I was like, well, they'll be at the top. And then I was like, well, they were really bad last year. So, I mean, that kind of has to factor in, but their team's going to be a lot different this year. Um, and, and then Louisville, you know, they lose some guys, but then they have some guys sort of coming of age and in in an impact transfer. Um and you just kind of go through, yeah, I mean, the bigger debate for me was sort of what to do after UVA. Um, I feel pretty confident that, especially now that we've seen the schedule, that UVA is going to win a bunch of games. Um, now, last year, I think that I think their record was a little inflated because they won so many games close, and they deserve credit for that, like I said a million times. But um, at the same time, if they had lost some of those games, I wonder what the preseason you know, expectations would have been. But I think when you have... K.A. Clark back, a guy who knows the ACC, knows the system. Jay Huff back. Um, Wolda Tensai after a year of, you know, kind of seasoning in the program. Morcell, same thing. Um, and then you add Hauser to the mix. And then a group of uh, impact freshmen, um, a freshman class that I guess we probably haven't seen since Jerome Guy. Um, and then I guess Hunter Redshirted, but that group. Um, I think that, you know, they have a chance to sort of break through and, and be even better. Um, and then I think Duke will be pretty good with the, with a young team, and then some guys maybe getting a little better after a year or two in the system. Um, North Carolina, I think they'll improve. Louisville, like I said, I talked about them. I think Georgia Tech, that was kind of my dark horse pick this year. I had them sixth. Um, and then the rest of the league, it was just sort of about figuring out which team you like more than the next. But, yeah, I think UVA is a pretty – I don't want to say an obvious pick for the first spot, but um, I didn't have any qualms about being a homer when I did it, like like you said, Brad. Right. I um I think for me the the thing I would the way I would explain is I I thought of UVA as being like the clear number one and there was a little gap and then honestly had I known yeah I, I think Louisville had another injury come out after I I did my ballot yeah it came out like Monday after and so if if I had known that I probably would have flipped them in Duke um for a little while there I actually had Florida State in that two three conversation. Um, I, cause one, listen, I am a huge Scotty Barnes guy. There were, there were definitely events I went to where I watched Scotty Barnes play just cause I wanted to watch him play. Like that kid is just that good. I really mm-hmm. enjoy watching that dude play. And so, uh, between him and MJ Walker, um, I, I just, they do lose quite a bit though. They do. And, and that's, that's kind of why I ended up having them fifth. And that's, and that's ultimately why they didn't come into that second, third conversation. And that's why they ended up fourth. I, I, I just think too, like they do have some, some good pieces, um, still, and, I mean, look, you can't really argue with Leonard right now. I mean, that, that dude is is doing a pretty good job, and certainly that was a good team last year. Um, I, I'm not real sure about Carolina. Um, they, I had them fifth in part because um, I, I do think Brooks is going to get a lot of looks. Um, you know, that team last year should have been much better than it was. I understand that, um, you know, they dealt with a lot. But still, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm, I'm 
I'm almost wondering if I should have had them lower, but I didn't have a good argument for who should be higher. Now I'm, exactly. I yeah, don't. There is a drop off. Yeah, exactly. The first five teams or so. Um, I ended up having Syracuse, Virginia Tech, NC State, Miami, Clemson to round out my top ten. I didn't. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not a big believer in this Georgia Tech thing. I've seen a number of ballots that had Georgia Tech much higher than I did. I had him fourteenth. Um, maybe that's just a function of uh, of me uh, being a nimcompoop. But I mean. No, nah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that they have to kind of show it, but I, they do bring a lot back. They have and two they really have good guards, and a lot of times when you have two really good guards, you can you can make a lot of hay. I I don't know, man. I I just thought like um, there were several it's teams. The, it's the one on my ballot that I feel like I'm going to feel the dumbest about. Um, <laughs> you mean like when if you picked you know like 13 dudes to score touchdowns or however many guys it was in the well, prop bets? And then also just like looking at I'm looking at my ballot now. Like I don't know how I feel about. I, I kind of think Pitt might be a little better than I have them because their guys are starting to get older. Um, and then NC State, I have seventh. Like I mean, they could be like a top four-ish team. They they have a lot of veteran players. Um, some people, Virginia Tech was like all over the map from ballots that I saw. I had them twelfth. Some people had them like almost top four. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, like I saw five or six from some people. Um, and, and you said you had him a little higher, I think. I had too, him, right? yeah, I but, had him seventh, but that's in part and because Diara is a good player, so I mean, like he could make them better, but right. I just don't know what they have around him. See, and that's my thing is that, like, I, I think that, um, you know, ultimately, because I don't have, you know, there's just not a real clear cut second tier to me, and so maybe Mike's not the greatest coach, whatever, you know, with the best talent, but I, I think that what they showed me last year was enough for me to give them a benefit of the doubt over. You know, yeah. NC State, Miami, um, Clemson, um, but uh, but we should talk a little bit about what the way it actually went. So Virginia finishes first, Duke second, Florida State finishes third. They had fifteen first place votes. Um, Carolina finished fourth and had seven. I I don't know who you are if you thought Carolina is the best team in the league right now. I'm sorry. Uh, Louisville finishes in fifth uh, with with two first place votes. Then it was Syracuse, Miami, NC State, Georgia Tech, and Clemson to round out the top ten. The bottom five was. Um, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Pittsburgh, Boston College, and Wake Forest. Now, in terms of player of the year. <laughs> Boston College and Wake Forest. Same Boston as it College. ever was. Man, Wake Forest got 229 points, man. That's Yeah, I had them last. Like, to put this in perspective. I like Steve Forbes, but I'm not picking it, them. Yeah, it's going to be rough. <laughs> to put this in perspective, and and not just because I'm I'm a, I'm a um, political science data nerd, but that's almost, UVA outs basically in this poll 2,000 more points, essentially, right? You could have padded. You could have padded UVA, two thousand points, um, and they basically would have would have had more than Wake Forest. That's crazy to me. Um, What's the Danny Manning salary to points earned? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, my goodness. It's um, got to be. I'll do the math. Yeah, you you, 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 do. you can see him do calling games on the ACC network this I'm, year. I believe. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I made um, that up, but that no, I'm be- sure that would not surprise me in the slightest. You know, wherever you know, he's if he's still living in Winston Salem, you know, he's just calling from his house. All right. The one I felt bad about picking low was Notre Dame. I'm like, damn, I love Mike Bray. <laughs> like, they should be higher. But, you know, I just don't really like their team. Um, in terms of uh, player of the year, so Brooks finishes first, 137 points. Hauser in second with 89. Scotty Barnes uh, f- uh, from Florida State at 59. Jalen Johnson from Duke, 52. Sims from Clemson at 50. And Chris Likes from Miami with 50. Second team was David Johnson from Louisville, Jose Alvarado from Georgia Tech, MJ Walker from Florida State, Kihei Clark, whoever that is, from UVA, and then Wendell Moore um, from Duke. Um, 
I, I don't. I, I guess I, I can't really argue per se with with Brooks. I, I think that the fact that you know Duke didn't have a sort of um, Zion like freshman, you know, to not to say that Duke's incoming class is like you know butt or anything. I mean, they're pretty good, <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't. You know, they don't have a guy who's going to to be all, on all the promos on ESPN, right? So it makes sense. Um, you know, it makes some sense that 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 somebody you know would look at the other sort of um, blue blood program um, and say, I, I, I don't know, Hauser to me, eighty nine's not bad. I just, man, I kind of, I don't know. There's a part of me that looks at that and thinks um, that's a little bit disrespectful. Not, but but in the same time, he hasn't done in the ACC, and ha- who heck, who knows? Like, if you really don't know, if you really haven't put in the time to 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 sort of look into it i mean who even knows if folks you know realize who that might be or what what his background is wasn't and also too i should say it's not like he was scoring 35 a night um at marquette right i mean he was yeah i mean a, he was never even their first scorer because right. they had howard who yeah. was the leading scorer in the nation last year right so i mean maybe 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 it's just uh me being ridiculous but i looked at the number and i was like i would like to have seen it a little bit closer to to 100 um but say lovey um preseason um player of the year um beyond that let's see freshman of the year scotty barnes um just edges out jalen johnson um reese beekman got three votes there which i thought was pretty cool uh also i should mention that that kihei clark got um one more vote uh in preseason acc player of the year who are the three people who had matt hurt with um three votes like at least with kihei you could make the argument like he's the most important player uh, on the best team in the league, right? But Matthew Hurt gets three votes for preseason ACC Player of the Year. I, I'm going to need to have a conversation with somebody. There's some people. There's like a there's like a subculture on the internet that thinks he's going to like blow up this year. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I don't know enough about Duke to say. Um, but it seems I'm kind of dubious of it because I feel like, like guys at Duke you either like show up as a freshman or you get passed by. And he did. I don't think he was that great last year. So yeah. Um, any anything else um, surprise anybody? I mean, Beekman getting a few votes for Rookie of the Year, I thought was interesting. But I mean, that could have just been you know a bunch of like UVA media people who weren't really sure who else to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that happens. Um, <laughs> let's go on our ballots real quick, and then we'll move on to some more basketball topics. Um, I had for all ACC, I had Sam Hauser, Scotty Barnes, Garrison Brooks. Um, I had Jones, um, the Radford transfer, who's now at Louisville, um, and I also put. Um, I knew you were going to say that. And then I also had Jay Huff because I felt like he's the he's probably the league's best defender um, besides Clark. And I, you know, I, I, I felt like that would break my tie. Um, what? Who, who did you have on yours? <laughs> it's funny that you ask. Um, so I had Garrison Brooks for Player of the Year. Um, I, I did not have any qualms taking Hauser. My my thing was, and I explained it to you guys in the text thread, but UVA players just because of the pace of play don't get the numbers. Um, if UVA runs up a crazy win total, I think that Hauser will have a great shot um, to win player of the year, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does. He might be the most talented or best veteran player in the league, but I think if North Carolina is close to the top, you know, top four, Garrison Brooks, if he averages like 24 points a game or something or 23 points a game on that team, which is possible, um, I think he'll get it just because his numbers, like you mentioned, Hauser averaged 14 points a game at, at uh, Marquette, and, and I could see him doing something similar, but being really good at UVA. So I think that that could be a difference maker. Um, my first team was those two guys, 
Chris likes, and then then things get kind of weird. Um, so here's the thing, guys. I, I was filling out my ballot, and I had Scotty Barnes on the first team, and then I decided to flip it with Jalen Johnson, and I did that successfully in the Rookie of the Year voting. Um, but the system timed out, and it didn't catch my change in the first team, and then I just went back and completed the ballot. So I have Scotty Barnes on the first team and then Jalen Johnson as rookie of the year, um, which is actually not that crazy. Cause you know, I'm just kind of hedging, I guess. Um, the reason I put Johnson on there was just because I think if Duke finishes second, like I, I think that they will or have them finishing second, I can't imagine they're not going to have somebody on the first team. Um, and then my, uh, fifth player was Mike DeVoe sleeper, Georgia tech, 16 no. points a game last year. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, I mean that's 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 definitely a thing. I mean, I'll give you that. I mean, yeah. I was surprised he didn't make the second team, but I, the guy, my my guys that didn't make it were were Johnson should have been in it, so Barnes would have been my last man out, and then Amir Sims who ended up making it, and I was kind of surprised to see him make it, but I was like, oh, good, because he was a guy that I really considered. Yeah. Um. So is it fair to say that we should also mention that the AP poll, the preseason AP top for 25 came out and Virginia is now number four overall in the nation going into the opener. Um, we should also say that we now have a glimpse of what UVA season will be. Um, Cavaliers are going to open um, against Maine because apparently St. Uh, Peter's pulled out or whatever. Um, but they're going to open against Maine and then get Florida um, the week of Thanksgiving up in the, uh, what they're calling it Bubbleville, but it's the Mohegan Sun. Um, Side note, Ferber's excellent point about like how many courts must the Mohegan Sun have because they have a just crap ton of games um, in this. Um, yeah, it's like have they thought this through? Like, <laughs> like, where are we going to put all the courts? Yeah, uh, I think they can. I think they can do it, but I think what you're going to see is I think a lot of UVA fans are going to be surprised when they see some of the game times. I know the Florida game is already scheduled for 11:30 in the morning, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if that main game on a Wednesday is at like two or something because they have to fit all the games in, right? So yeah, um, so Virginia's fourth. We know what their conference slate looks like, which to, uh, I believe it was Ferber who said this earlier that essentially UVA is going to play a lot of ACC games before things really, you know, for the rubber meets the road. Um, the schedule, I, I don't know. I, I thought, well, let me let me back up a step. We knew the opponents, right? Because those are already decided. Um, let's talk about this Tuesday Wednesday situation, right? Um, so if you look at UVA schedule, other than I think one time all year long, which is that first one in December, um, every midweek game that Virginia has on its schedule is a Tuesday slash Wednesday. No, that does not mean they're playing the same team twice. Um, in a, you know, in a, in a, in a very short amount of time. What it means is the schedule makers are just giving themselves some flexibility. Dave, this is something you're Mike. You're 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 playing for the ACC football. Now? No, no, no. You were you're playing for ACC football <laughs> and stuff. The the Spence plan, I thought was very well done. And I would just like to say, I would just like to get your input on um, what you think of the way the ACC decided to do its basketball schedule. I mean, it's a little weird. I think um, I don't know how one day like it's obviously TV driven. Like which other games are available you know, what teams are missing. So we have some good, good games on each night. That's um, exactly what it is. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's all it is, but it, it seems a little weird. Um, I mean, the schedule, given how late they were releasing the schedule, they seem not to be very well thought out. I don't think 
like obviously Virginia benefited from the schedule. Um, I mean, it's going to be early February before they play. Yeah, I haven't compared the schedule to the final preseason votes, but I think Louisville's the highest ranked. I don't think they played anyone in the top five till Louisville, right? I mean, um, and that's no. in February. So yeah, I think it's like the thirteenth game. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I mean the Tuesday Wednesday thing. It's just it's kind of odd. It looks like kind of an incomplete schedule, which is weird considering how long you waited for it. But it makes sense. It's just the question becomes ultimately like how long before you like you can't find out if it's Tuesday or Wednesday on like Saturday, right? I mean, so you figure it's got to be a couple weeks in advance. But it does, you know, if you're trying to maximize the the revenue for the league, um, maybe you've got to push a game a day just so that there's you know. There's a good game on each night for, for for the eyes on TV. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I I think it's definitely TV driven, and I'm not gonna like, I'm not gonna try to argue that it's not. But I do think that it does give you a little flexibility um, in case you have a situation where you've got, um, you know, you want to run some some more tests, you know, in a situation or whatever. Um, I I think that there it's impossible with basketball because you play so many more, you know, games and, and obviously you have such a smaller roster. You can't really build in a lot of flexibility, but I do think it's interesting that like they only play like, um, I think Virginia has what, two games on a Monday, all ACC schedule long. Um, so there are very few of these, you know, um, sort of quick turnaround. You might have one or or two here or there, but realistically, a lot of these are going to be more spaced out. Um, I don't know. I I kind of thought that for for on the one hand for Virginia's purposes, right? The the fact that they, you know, you look at that first, you know, what ten games, um, not a whole lot in there, right? You might you know going to Clemson when they're probably going to be celebrating. Wait, when's the when's the college football playoffs national championship supposed to be now? January eleventh. All right, Monday. so so it'll be the it'll be the Saturday that Clemson is um, yeah. celebrating a national championship again. How um, weird is that? I is, mean, it is very strange. It is very strange. Um, but I mean, they, it 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 could be that first weekend of uh, of February when when they get Louisville at home before Virginia is really pushed in the ACC. Now, I say that knowing full full well, right? That like somebody there are going to be a handful of these games that are going to be tight, whether that's because dudes are not available or you know that's just a, the nature of basketball. You're not going to beat the crap out of everybody. But what I do think is it's interesting to me is that like UVA can ramp things up, at least in the conference schedule, but that's nothing compared to their out of conference schedule. You look at who they're playing outside of the league. um, You know, those are some really good games, Um, especially that, that one in uh, Madison square garden against Villanova in December. Um, But yeah, it could be February 6th before UVA has to, you know, kind of be pushed. And then they get Louisville, they get to go to Atlanta for Georgia Tech. And then they get Carolina at Florida State at Duke. Um, but it's funny to say that Virginia's hardest part of its schedule is like in a two-week period. And that's really it before they they close with Pitt, Miami, and at Louisville again. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, the schedule sets up kind of perfect if you think about the makeup of this team. Um, you know, they start out with Maine. They get tough opponent pretty quickly to Florida. They get Villanova early, Michigan State early. So you get some battle testing in while the team's still gelling. And then, no offense to you know, ACC, there's still going to be competitive games, but you get a very friendly schedule to kind of work out the kinks that showed up in those against those better opponents over you know basically six weeks to kind of work on that against some 
teams you should be favored against in every game. And then you've got the end of the season to see how it all put together against some good competition leading into the tournament. So, I mean, it's pretty ideal for Virginia. Absolutely. Um, I think the only thing I would maybe want to do is play Duke earlier and get <laughs> before they gel. But, you know, now we, we've won enough ACC regular season titles. We're, we're playing for the big chip now, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, anything on the schedule overall that stands out? I mean, obviously, that that stretch where they get um, those you know those handful of games is is going to be crucial. Um, and if we believe that you know an NCAA tournament actually happens, um, you know that would go a long way towards seeding and such. Um, but any other schedule thoughts? Um, my my big scheduling thought just looking at it when it came out i mean obviously we it was about what we expected in terms of when the games would be and everything but they're going for it i mean <laughs> I, the first thing i thought when i looked at it was like how is this going to work yeah. right i mean you're talking I, tony bennett said it the other night on his um i guess meet the team or whatever you yeah, want to call right. it event with yeah, dave yeah. kane he he mentioned he was like you know we've seen in football contact tracing and and obviously positive tests will keep players out of action for games on end, right? And that's with once a week. I mean, how many games does Lavelle Davis miss now? Three? Um, like, how do, you, how do you do that in a basketball season? That's six games. Um, if a team can't play for six games, how do they rejoin the league? Like, how do they, you know, how does that work? And, and they really, I don't know, I mean, I, maybe we'll find out later, if they tried to do a bubble and it just didn't work, or if they just said, ah, you know, things are looking pretty good. We'll just go with the schedule. I don't know. I, I just, I, I have a lot of reservations about this. Not necessarily, you know, it's the same reservations we had for football, but now we're going into the winter months where we know COVID is starting to kind of come back in a big way or, or explode in a big way. I guess I should say never really went away. Um, and, and now you're playing multiple games a week, which is more traveling, um, smaller teams, closer together um indoors so i mean I'm, I'm i'm kind of skeptical about this working um but at the end of the day i mean they're they're trying to put a schedule together and i guess if they're willing to accept that some resumes are not going to look like others come march then, then maybe that this is okay um but that's that's basically my big thought on the schedule the other thing that i was just thinking of as you were talking and i should have this handy but Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't most schools ending their semesters early and starting yeah. their second semesters a little later? A lot of schools are are at the end. Of, well, they're not. I don't think they're necessarily canceling or they're nobody's coming back after Thanksgiving at a lot right. of places. Right. Instead of having that two weeks before exams or right. whatever. So essentially, that for for a lot of these teams, a good part of their schedule, or at least the first part of their schedule, let's just say that they're gonna have. You know, if they do have anybody on campuses, the the players are going to be, you know, one of the few that are left, right? Um, and I know that for, you know, coming back on the, on the back end of, you know, to start the second semester, um, I've seen some places that are obviously going to be coming back a little later than they normally would so they can get a little bit further away from that, you know, holiday time frame. Um, I, I think your point is well taken, though. And the one thing about this is that there are um, – I feel like there are more – there are more holes that you could potentially have, but then you can fill them in. And, I, and listen, I think the ACC's done a nice job so far in terms of figuring out how to, where to put games. Um, part of that is because they didn't have as many games on the schedule to start with, and the season is even longer than it was previously, so there are more holes. Um, 
and I'm like you guys, like it, you know, you're talking about inside, you're talking about guys who are going to be, you know, smaller rosters. Um, it makes a lot of sense that they could have, um, you know, some real issues. And as, as we're seeing right now, even still in football, like, you know, leagues that are that that start just started up are having issues. Leagues that have been playing for a while are, are having issues. Um, you know, Virginia just had a game postponed a week because of uh, another team's issues. Um, so with contact tracing, you could totally see how a whole basketball team would be gone real quick. Um, and that's just a, you know, that's a challenge that each school has to figure out a way to meet, you know, how to keep your guys distanced, how to, you know, in this situation, a lot of these dudes live together, you know, like I'm not sure if they changed up any housing situations this year, but typically like you, you have three or four players who, who live together. Um, basketball guys who live, you know, off campus together. So I don't know. I, that's that's definitely something we're gonna have to wait and see. Um, I think that going for it is 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 exactly the right way to frame this because that's it's certainly what it looks like. I mean, the, the little bit of flexibility they're giving themselves, you know, that's cool and all, but realistically, like you know, like they're they're certainly trying yeah. to get these games. In. I mean that that extra day, the Tuesday, Wednesday, that's that's shuffling chairs on the deck of the Titanic. Like that that's not gonna help you in a major way i mean maybe it does in some one-off situation but i think that's more like hey if we have a bunch of cancellations we can sort of move things around for television or you know and they've done this in the past people were freaking out why are they doing this they've done this before um they've said friday or saturday or saturday or sunday or they've done this in the past so it's not unprecedented yeah i mean if there's one weird thing to me about the tuesday wednesday like if you are using that for tv which we all assume they are um it's one thing right but if you are using it to give you a little flexibility, if you need another day to test here and there, then they should have picked the opponents a little better. Because, like, one of Virginia's Tuesday, Wednesday options is Notre Dame, another one's Miami at home. Like, those schools have to travel, like, on Monday for a, if a potentially Tuesday game. So it, it seems like if you're going to use that Tuesday, Wednesday setup, like, you would do it when, when schools who can bus together yeah. are playing or, you know, Syracuse, BC, you know, shorter trips, kind of like we talked about with, with the Spence football model, <laughs> um, you know, playing closer teams so that you can wait till last minute to travel um, for flexibility. Because if you got to get on a charter plane, you can't wait till Wednesday, you know, Wednesday afternoon to play Wednesday night or wait till Tuesday afternoon to find out if you're going to wait till Wednesday. So that's why to me, like it's got to be a TV move because it really doesn't offer you a lot of logistical advantages. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the one upside of the schedule is, you know, maintaining the the 20 game ACC schedule. If things get really bad as we enter, you know, November, late November, December, you can just shut down the whole league for a few weeks and say, hey, we're scaling back to 16 games. You're losing, you know, luck of the draw, which ones you lose. Uh, they'll figure it out at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how it's going to work. I, I was a little, as we get closer and closer and we start to see the football outbreaks and, like I'm, I'm getting less optimistic that the basketball season will happen. Um, I mean, I would say it's almost a zero percent chance Virginia plays every game on their schedule, as scheduled. Um, Especially when you're playing like Kent State, like you know, yeah, those games yeah, can was, be moved easily. You know, if there's some problem. So yeah, but overall, that's what I, my question is. I just, I mean, I know that there are smarter people than us working on this, but like. I just want to know, like how how like realistically they looked into the bubble idea. Like, was it just well, not the feasible, bubble or did idea, they say, "Yeah, we're good"? Like, because if they said, "I oh, were good," I bet they'll regret it later. Yeah, see, the bubble idea is a no go from NCAA amateurism standards. Like, as soon as you put them in a bubble, they're employees. 
you lose that argument. Um, the right to control. Uh, I think it was, I can't remember who it was on Twitter. It's Alicia Jessup. She's a lawyer I follow who, follow, who does a lot of that stuff. And um, I'm not a lawyer, but yeah, it basically said, you know, if you put them in the bubble, NCAA has pretty much proven their employees and that amateurism is gone. So that is kind of out of the question. You can do it for a weekend tournament, but you can't do it. Yeah, you could maybe do it for the NCAAs. Yeah, um, it's just because you, you kind of do that now because they travel to a hotel and stay right. there. Um, but yeah, it, it, yeah, maybe like it happens. tournament is a bubble. <laughs> I would say, uh, no. My guess is if the season happens, if we play a majority of the season as scheduled, it's not because we got lucky. It's because something changed in the CDC guidance for like contact tracing or testing or they found out something else about the virus in the next couple of months. Because, um, I mean, there, it seems to be, you know, right now with the, to me, the issue is the 14-day contact tracing. Like that makes basketball very difficult. Um, I mean, we've talked about it in a thread. We've talked about it on the podcast. It's almost, if you take the potential negative, you know, the known negative consequences of having COVID out of the equation, it is better for your for your team to get COVID than it is to be contact traced because once they get it, they're done. They're good for the rest of the year. Once, you know, assuming all is healthy. And it's less you know, time. Don't be writing me nasty emails. <laughs> this yeah. is a, um, you know, they're 10 days and then they're good for the rest of the year, but you can get contact traced every week for the whole season. Um, so yeah, it, I'm hopeful it happens. I'm not optimistic it happens in full, but you know, I think you we'll start get off somewhere. the ground. But I, there's going to be some major problems. I, I think that's a lock. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's, let's 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 just let's have a conversation about the basketball side of it without you know. I mean, I think we've done a good job of sort of painting that picture. Let's assume games yeah. happen, right? Dudes play basketball. Let's hope games happen. Um, <laughs> I got to be honest, this is one of those rare years where I look at this Virginia team and I don't see a whole lot of holes, right? I think you could say, you, you could, you know, and I've, and I've made this point before, you know, about Jabri and, you know, or Sam Hauser on last year's team and how much better they would have been. I don't remember which one of you guys said it at the, at the start of the conversation, but we're basically making the point like, hey, they got to replace Momdi and, and Braxton, and that's no small feat. And I agree with that. Defensively, I don't think this team is going to be anywhere near as good as that one last year, and it's going to take a while before they're probably at a place where Tony feels good about them. Um, last year, they won a lot of games with their defense in ways that they literally had to, that I think this team, because of its different assortment of offensive um, weapons and the different ways that parts fit together – I don't. I don't know if they need to play defense at that high a level uh, in order to be successful. I'm not saying that Tony Bennett's going to all of a sudden not care about defense, but I just look at this roster. You think about you could you could build around Hauser and sort of have him be, um, you know, sort of for all intents and purposes like the Dre of that continuity ball stuff, uh, ball screen stuff that they ran um, pretty successfully. You've got some shooters. You've got scorers. You've got height. You've got. Um, you can go small. Um, you you probably have, and, and this will lead to our Trey Murphy discussion, because um, I'm fascinated by the fact that Tony didn't really answer the question. I don't know if it was in, intentional or not, but he certainly didn't. He didn't. He didn't answer it. Um, but you, you have so many options on this team that, like, they like they they legitimately could go 12 deep. Um, now, granted, some of those some of those 12 are a little bit different in terms of like the minutes that they're going to get versus the other guys. Um, I, I think that it's, it's still 
the jury's still out on a couple pieces in in terms of figuring out like how well they fit with the with the grander in the grander scheme, but that there's just a lot of dudes on this roster, um, which is I think a good problem to have, but certainly has been one that's been passkey for UVA. Ferber, when you look at Virginia's roster, what what holes do you see and what concerns you versus your you know obviously I mean you had you picked him first in the league, so you you have a fair amount of confidence and <laughs> um, you know expectations for him. What's uh, when when you look at the roster, where are the holes? Um, you know, assuming that Hauser plays sort of a small forward role, I mean, I know he's going to probably play the four a lot. I'm I'm just interested to see like what they do there, um, because you have a lot of wings on this team, and, and I think a lot of guys that are going to have good seasons. Um, and then you have Jay Huff, and then you have a lot of other guys who um, are younger guys, like Caden Cedric, for example, who hasn't played yet. Um, you know, we're excited to see what he can do, but he hasn't played yet. Um, so I think that position, just like figuring out what the lineup looks like. Um, if you play Hauser at the four, I think, I think that sort of closes the gap a little bit, but that might hurt you a little bit on the defensive end. Um, I think Jay has really evolved as a defender or, you know, especially like a, a rim protector. Um, and I think that's helpful, but it would be interesting to see kind of what they do at the four spot, you know, where, how those minutes are allocated, all of that. Um, and then the other thing is just going to be, and, and I think the answer is yes, but like, can they take their shooting from terrible or below average to decent to good? Um, I think Hauser obviously is going to help in a huge way if that, you know, if, if, if in that question, um, just answering that question. Um, I think the freshmen can all shoot to some degree. Uh, Kihei has, has flashed. The World of Tensai has flashed. Morcel, I believe, can shoot. We just haven't seen him do it yet at the college level. Um, and then, obviously, you have guys like Jay who, who can pop and uh, and shoot. So um, I don't necessarily think that's a weakness, but it's just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind that it was a huge weakness last year. Um, so if they're good at it in, in 2020, 2021, uh, it will have been you know a pretty big shift from what they did last year. What do you think, Dave? I mean, it's a good roster. If you look at, you know, you, you guys have hit most of it, but, you know, just looking at the guards with, you know, Reese and Kihei and Casey and Walter Tense and McCorkle, you know, depending on how much he plays off the bench. Like, you've got guys who, you know, you've got some guys who can play the point. You know, Casey played little point last year. Reese playing, you know, Kihei, we know what he can do. Um, and I do think Virginia's offenses have looked better having two ball handlers on the floor. That's helpful. Um, wings with Jabri and, you know, I think, you know, Hauser even mentioned playing, he was playing some three and four. Um, you know, Morsell can slide down to the wing a little bit. Waldo played some three last year. Um, Statman off the bench. And then, you know, if you get Murphy, we'll talk about, like, the, that's a lo- that's a loader roster there. And then down in the post offensively, um, you know, I expect Jay to continue to, you know, build off what he did last year and, um, you know, whatever, whatever Shedrick can do. And, um, McCoy, who I feel like we always forget to talk about, um, who they were talking up so much going into the season. So, I mean, offensively, there's a lot of weapons and they certainly should fix some of the issues they had last year. Um, you know, once they kind of figure out what scheme, you know, they're going to do best in to me, like this almost feels like a blocker mover team. Um, I think they'll be much better at it than last year's version of the Virginia team. But, you know, being able to do that continuity ball screen stuff and just kind of pick and roll, um, 
they've got more weapons to do that. But my, like, I think if there's a weakness on this team, it's going to be like we see it night in and night out in the ACC. It's it's the opponent's three, you know, the opponent's big wing who can get buckets. Like who's our stopper now? Um, you know, Braxton and Mamadi could guard that guy last year. Is Hauser going to be ready to guard that ACC caliber? You know, it's like every dude on the Florida State roster. It's just a random dude from Miami. It's someone, you know, every night um, you're going to run into that guy who's hot. And who's your stopper this year? And so someone's got to develop into that role. Um, you're right. The defense doesn't have to be as good as they were last year. But when you need a stop, like, you know, I don't know who on the roster is that guy having, you know, knowing what we saw last year and not knowing what we have in Hauser, potentially Murphy. Um, is Casey, you know, Casey has a good wingspan, but is he strong enough now, you know, to guard a six, 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 seven, six, eight, three guy who can shoot the ball um, and is hot one night. So, well, apparently it's a good problem to have when that's your weakness. Apparently Cody Statman's like six, eight now, um, yeah, yeah, which is wrong. the thing. Um, no, I would think that, you know, if, if another team's, you know, if it's a small guard, obviously Kihei, if it's a bigger guard, it's, it's Morcel. Uh, but I do think Hauser's ability to to defend certainly does dictate a lot for UVA. Um, you know, I I've realized that you know we're forty some minutes into this, and I've certainly talked up my my expectations for Hauser and, and how well I think he fits in UVA system. But if he can play the three, what that opens up for them is pretty important, right? If you don't have to go with him at the four, and you do have him at the three, now. Virginia has a little bit of a, a challenge here, which is I think they want to do as much. It, it, let me rephrase. I would think, looking at the roster, that you would want to have Jabri and, and Hauser out there together as much as possible, right? But if Shedrick is as good as the my, the people in North Carolina tell me he is, right? I mean, when he signed, people down there were just like, man, he's the steal of the, of the class. Like, um, you know, talking about him as like a, you know, a Kentucky kind of kid, given his, his versatility and stuff. Um, now, if he's able to play and you can pair him with Jay Huff, now you have a whole lot of size and athleticism. How long will it take for that to come to fruition? Probably a while, right? Um, but I'm talking about just in terms of what, the, what if you think about maximizing potential for this year's roster this year. Um, try, if you start getting into like trying to think of lineups and combinations, your brain will hurt. Um, I do not. This is one of those times where, I, you know, Tony last year, I think, was very, very clear about what his team was and wasn't. He was super relaxed pretty much all year long. It's, you know, it didn't matter how well they were playing. He just seemed to he seemed to know what everybody else was having a problem processing. Um, and then they started sort of overachieving and, and, and he was, you know, kind of just excited for the ride. Um, clearly, you know, he's still one of the most competitive dudes you're going to find. But he, he was not like a you know, he wasn't firing brimstone last year. Right. I feel like this bunch. It's going to take him a little while to sort of feel through the rotation and, and, and what needs to, to fit together. And I wouldn't be surprised if he goes a little more fire because the potential for this group is sort of off the charts. Um, one more yeah. one more basketball thing, and then we'll move on to football because we're already 50-some minutes in now. Um, I, I, I want to talk a little bit about just sort of um, expectations. And when you, when you are the preseason pick for the first time in, you know, since 1982, I don't want to do math. 28 years, um, or excuse me, 38 years. Wow. Um, when you're, when you're the preseason pick and you're number four in the country in the preseason, uh, and you've won a national title, uh, and you're technically speaking still the, def, you know, the reigning national champion, 
there's going to be expectations, right? They got that 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 gold tag on the, on the new threads um, that says so. What's and again, we don't know what the season will look like. We don't know how how it will play out. We're, let's assume there is a regular season and there is a tournament of some description. I'm just curious, what does success look like for? Because I mean, is Virginia at a point now when it has a good team where anything less than a national championship is 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 not good enough? Because I, I don't know if they're there. But the talent level in this team and the pedigree of the program kind of would seem to imply that maybe this is the year that they do get there. Ferber, let's start with you. What, what's, what's, that, what's your expectations for this team, and, and what's, what does success for this group look like? Is it a title or bust? <laughs> I, I don't think you can go into a season, um, most teams can't, with, with that level of fail rate. Like If, if, that's what you, if, if a title is what you want, great i mean a lot of teams are going to shoot for that title normally in a college basketball season there's what like 12 15 teams that can win it um and really of those 12 15 there's four or five that have a really really good shot um i mean you think about uva's title it's not like it's a great story that they came back after losing to umbc but they were a one seed i mean it's not like they came out of nowhere um so i mean i think that they can put themselves in a position to have a good draw in the bracket. And I think that's what you want to do. Um, I think the floor for this team should be like, you know, if, if it just doesn't work out the way that we think it will, the, the, their floor is probably top four ACC. Um, I mean, is it possible they have a much worse season than that? I guess, um, you know, there's a simulation somewhere where that happens. Um, but barring a rash of injuries or COVID, you know, just running amok through the team or something, um, I, I think that they're going to be, you know, one of the best teams in the league, top 25 team all year. Um, obviously they're starting at number four. So, and I mean, if it was me, I would say they're probably going to be a top 10, 15 ish team all year. The reason I say that low is just because they could get some losses early to, you know, Michigan state Villanova and kind of drop a little bit and then work their way back up. But, um, yeah, I think that's about where this, where this team should be. I think it's similar to the title team in terms of, where they fit into the national landscape, you know, one of the best teams in the conference, one of the best teams in the nation, a team that can win it all. Um, and, and one of the things they have going for them is that they have an identity with a defense, um, you know, that's always going to give them a chance. And, you know, I, I think that the chips will just have to fall where they do. Um, and, and a lot of it, my one hesitation with this team, and, and I'm not, again, I picked them first in the ACC for a reason, is that you're relying on, some veterans, some guys that are back, yes. But then you also, I mean, the guy that you're expecting to be your best player has never played for you. Um, so I don't necessarily think that doesn't mean it, it, he can't be good. I mean, Zion had never played for Duke, and he came in and was immediately great. Um, and, and we know Sam Hauser's good from what he did at Marquette. Um, but that's not the continuity that a lot of teams have. So, I mean, and then you're relying on some freshmen to come in and, and, and be better, so... Um, I think your your ceiling is national title. Your floor is one of the better teams in the ACC, and an unfortunately early exit in the NCAA tournament, um, which is probably more than we could have asked for when Tony Bennett came to UVA. Um, I keep having to remind myself that, but yeah, I think that's I think their their floor their ceiling and floor is similar to what we saw in the 2018 and 2019 seasons. Dave, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, expectations. Like, I refuse. I remember, like, back in the 90s when I was at UVA, um, especially when we played Duke. Like, I mean, their fans, like, if they didn't win a national title, like, the season didn't matter to them. Um, not all of them, but some of them, right? Like, if they weren't a national 
national title contender, the team wasn't good enough for them to really get invested in. And like back then, like, you know, I was like, well, I'm glad I'm not them. Right. <laughs> you know, they're beating our butt. Um, but like, I'll never get to that point with Virginia sports, like card, basketball, football, whatever. Like I, I refuse to say that we've got to be, you know, win the championship for it to be a successful year, especially in you know, football. Well, it never happened, but, um, basketball is just too much luck involved in, in the way that process is determined. So, um, expectation, like they can, they can win it all just and right. I mean, they've got all the pieces, um, and they've got, you know, guys who've been there on the teams who, who've done it. Um, the, the floor, same thing. I, I don't really know what the floor is. You know, obviously the floor can be pretty low if some bad things happen, but you know, if everyone plays up to their potential, the floor is still what used to be a very, very good Virginia year. So you can't complain. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what they can do. I, I do think they have the potential to, I mean, I'd be happy with, you know, top two or three finish in the ACC regular season, making a run in the ACC tournament, getting a one or two seed, make, making a run at least to a Sweet 16, you know, Elite Eight. I wouldn't be mad if they won it all, um, but I'm not expecting it. You know, because let's keep in mind, like, this whole team could be back together again next year. Um, there are no surefire leaving for the NBA guys. That's and the point. funny thing is there is a there is a like a corollary between this team and the team that did win it because you have a, a transfer sitting out that could become eligible that could change the season, right? Like Oh yeah. yeah. Good point. A guy that we talked about, a guy that we debated whether or not it was worth it for him to play that year. Yeah, that's and he ended true. up being a huge piece of the at least in the national championship game of, you know, winning it. So That's a good point. The reason I asked that question the way I did is because and Dave kind of gave me what I was thinking I would get, which was you know, you you essentially made the point that like, um, if they you know if they don't do this or that, um, you can't be you can't be upset. I think there's an interesting thing that happens to teams that are sort of becoming um, or taking steps forward. You know, are you know developing these programs? Like, would UVA fans be upset? Is not necessarily the thing as are they living up to expectations? Right. When I ask the question of like, what what does success look like? Um, that doesn't necessarily have to be connected necessarily with when people are, are unhappy or upset. Um, because I look at this team and I think, man, this team has enough talent to win a title. Um, it's, you know, what's, what, what would you change about this team? Maybe you, you'd have one shooter um, who had a fair amount more experience than what this roster has. Right. Or maybe you'd, you'd have a, um, a more, um, you know, maybe a Diakite type four man who has experience, but otherwise, like you look at the the skill sets and stuff, like they've got a lot of talent. I, I I think your point about you know if they don't do it, you know you won't be upset. I think that's well taken. I, I don't think anybody should be, especially considering sort of the run that they had last year when they probably had no business making one. Um, and you know, I, I we've had this conversation about you know what happens if they play the tournament and. Um, you know, we, we come at it from different places, but the fact is they didn't, right? So this is in, in essence like that plus this one, right? It is it would it will count for more than just this one. Um, so whether fans are you know should be or could be upset about it, you know, if it doesn't end with a championship, I just think that for a team that that now has taken another step forward. I mean, and listen, I know that the that the preseason all AC, I mean, excuse me, preseason, you know, ACC um, pecking order is not like, you know, um, it, there's no box. 
there's no box on that for the you know development of a program. But it does kind of show you know another step in the right direction, right? Um, you know that they they've assembled the talent, that they've made it through sort of their um, their bounce year, um, and have come out on the other side. You know, it's funny how fans right now in terms of recruiting, um, you know, with this being the first day of the um, signing period. Um, it's funny how, like, you know, for, for recruiting purposes, for a long time there, this the, in most of 2020, fans have been really frustrated because they, you know, they're ready to start, you know, um, enjoying the, the spoils of, of, of success, right? Which is like, hey, five stars everywhere, right? Um, that hasn't happened for them to this point, but that, that, that class they put together last year is almost perfect in terms of, like, what you know Tony wants, right? Like, they're just really good players who fit what he wants uh, and fits the system. So it's not that I think that fans have a right to be upset if Virginia doesn't win a championship. Um, but I do think that on some level, this is what happens when, you, when you're good, right? When you're good, like people just expect you to win some more. And when you don't win, it's, it's disappointing and it's not fulfilling your potential. Um, so I'm really curious to see sort of how that plays out. Um, all right, let's get to the football side of things and discuss Louisville real quick um, since we – we didn't talk about him at all last week on purpose, and now we've done an hour on, on basketball. Um, Got to be honest, expect a little bit more from this Louisville team. Uh, I'm guessing maybe you guys um, – I don't know. You, you guys didn't seem to be as bullish um, about uh, the cards as I, I was. I think Satterfield's a heck of a coach. I think the system is good. Um, I think they've got some talent. Um, Ferber, let's start with you. When folks, finally, when folks get to your, your, your uh, preview uh, later this week, when you break this thing down, what's the most important sort of piece of this for you? Is it is it UVA being able to to stop the run? Is it UVA being able to contain um, a dual threat? Is it UVA cutting down on turnovers? Like, what's the what's the biggest piece of the puzzle to you in order for Virginia to win this game? Um, I think on defense, it's definitely tackling. Um, I went back and kind of looked at that game last year against Louisville, and they had some trouble where they had guys at the line of scrimmage, and then they got free and scored. Um, or had big plays, I think that's going to be huge. Um, you're right. They, they have a good running back uh, in Hawkins, and then Atwell is a dynamite wide receiver who can make plays down the field, but also you know, they'll give him carries on jet sweeps, stuff like that. So, I mean, you miss on a guy like that, and he hits the edge, you're in trouble. And, and watching their games this year, I mean, you just see big play after big play on guys, you know, plays that could have been stopped at the line of scrimmage that just weren't, and, and they hit big plays. And and then on offense, I think the, the big thing is going to be winning up front because they have the ability to do so. Um, we don't know who Louisville is going to be missing uh, from the guys that weren't able to go last week when the game got moved. Um, but we know when they played Virginia Tech that it was heavily skewed towards defensive line. If that's the case on Saturday, UVA's offensive line, which has been pretty good this year, has a chance to really do some work against you know an undermanned Louisville defensive front that isn't that great to begin with. Um, and they could really get things moving in the run game, which sets up the pass game. Um, so I think that those two things are probably the biggest keys to victory as well as just not making huge mental mistakes, you know, winning the turnover battle, something that Louisville's really struggled with this year. Um, those sorts of things that they did well against North Carolina, you just got to keep doing them against this team that's explosive, but probably not as good as the Tar Heels. What do you think, Dave? Um, when you when you look at this, where where your where's yeah. your where's your stress coming from? Where's your anxiety about Louisville? Um, it, it's kind of like you know us against them in basketball. We, it's one of those teams like Pitt. 
pit that Virginia seems a hard time having to have a hard, hard time beating. Um, scheme wise, like what they do is, is something that you know, it's not easily easy to defend with the scheme Virginia runs. Um, so, I mean, they're just, they're not a great matchup for Virginia historically, right? Obviously Satterfield doing some different stuff than they did before him, but not drastically. It's just, he's doing it a little cleaner and a little, a little more efficiently. Um, but yeah, I mean, watching Louisville, you know, I watched probably more games of theirs than I would have if we'd have played last week. Um, and I'm sure Furbo will jump in. I'm sure he's watched more than I have. But to me, they're kind of, you know, not as much window dressing as they used to have offensively. And their offense is pretty much get guys in space and one-on-one and, and try to beat you. But they've yep. got guys who can do it with, uh, you know, Atwell and Hawkins and, and Cunningham. Um, I think Cunningham's thrown over 300 yards, like four of their seven games. Um, and a lot of chunk plays and, like you got to tackle well. If you if you don't tackle well with this team, like they're going to take it the distance. Um, I mean, Hawkins had that what ninety yard touchdown against Tech, at, like basically on a, yeah. on a throwaway play before the end of the half, and he busted it ninety yards. And there were a lot of other plays when I looked at the other games that were just like that one. You know, yeah. at the line of scrimmage, there's guys around him, and then he's just gone. Yeah, and that's scary. No, no but so yeah, you know, <laughs> we've seen some tackling issues in Virginia throughout the year. So they're going to have to play more like they did against Carolina, you know, on as far as tackling goes, we're going to need some coverage improvement. Um, but defensively Louisville is interesting too. I think they're not super aggressive. They don't blitz a lot. Um, they're going to give you something that they're going to see, you know, they want to see if you can kind of bend, you know, take little chunks all the way down the field instead of beating them deep. Um, so it's going to be disciplined and taking what they give you. Um, it does set up well, Louisville's gonna be without some players, obviously, and I think I would have been—I was probably would have been a little more confident last week, um, but that's more like momentum's not a thing. Um, so, um, I just feel weird. I feel a little more weird about the game this weekend than I would have last weekend, just because I haven't seen the team play. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm a little—I'm—I'm I'm most curious to see. Obviously, other than the game, I'm curious to see if anything changes with the Armstrong, you know, the way we use Armstrong, given the fact it sounds like he's going to be wearing a knee brace. Like, you know, are we seeing him sub out more in obvious running downs and for Keaton, or is it going to be a little more pass heavy? Um, so we'll find out. I mean, I like the matchup, but I mean, it's, it's definitely not a gimme. Um, you know, Virginia's favored by three, but ESPN still gives Louisville a 58% chance to winning. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be a close game. It's going to come down to, like they all do with this team, you know, turnovers and complimentary football. Given the last, you know, eight days of our lives, I I, I can't believe you're over here quoting, you know, um, probability models and stuff at me. Um, but <laughs> the one thing I was thinking of, we, we talked before, right, when they play Carolina about, like, maybe as good as Sam Howell is, maybe you just make him beat you, right? This is almost that, but in reverse, in the sense that, like, you got to make him beat you, right? Like, you got to shut down the run, um, which is so much easier said than done because it does not take it does not take much. I mean, credit to Carolina's running backs in the sense that like they break tackles, they they grind you up, um, they 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 do what they do is is really good. Um, this is a different animal, right? Because you you miss a tackle and that kid's gone. However many yards it takes, you, you're not tracking him down, right? You're not you're not walking the dog here. Um, 
I look at Louisville, you know, you, Dave mentioned the, the fact they don't blitz a lot. Um, you know, Armstrong talked a little bit about that, right? Like they're, they're much more, ha- they're much happier to sort of move around and, and sort of throw some different stuff at you pre-snap and post-snap versus coming at you. Um, I, w- I feel like that's a, this is a thing that Virginia's off. This is a game Virginia's offensive line has to figure out a way to win, right? Maybe we get to see Ronnie Walker for the first time. It feels kind of sad that we're at this point in the schedule and we're just now talking about being able to see him. Um, it's really unfortunate the sort of one-two punch of the NCAA and then um, what we assume at this point. Um, let's call it illness, but we assume you know it's probably COVID-related. Um, but for, you know, if he's given the green light or or whether it's Simpson getting more touches or even whatever, whatever it takes, um, I'm curious about, you know, Armstrong and the knee brace. I think he'll have had a number of practices to sort of wear it and get ready. But I I think that our experience last year, you know, we're talking about Bryce and and wearing the knee brace and stuff. He was just a very different player wearing it than he, um, than he was before, or excuse me, after when he took it off. And that's really the place when UVA season started to come together is when that knee brace went away. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like this is a game that Virginia can win and should win, uh, especially given the fact that, you know, that that's a defensive front that's probably going to be without some dudes. And at the same time, we saw them still make a very good game um, out of that matchup with Tech, even though they got down pretty bad early. Um, all right. In the preseason, Ferber, you had Virginia um, losing this game. I believe this says 31 to 21. What say you now? Preseason feels like a long time ago, Brad. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and I believe my reason was that Louisville fooled me last year because I didn't think they were going to be very good, and they ended up being pretty good. Um, and I wouldn't let them do it again. And here's their chance to fool me again because I'm going to pick UVA. Um, <laughs> another thing you were talking about with Cunningham, I looked at his PFF numbers today looking at preview stuff, and the under-pressure versus not under-pressure split is pretty drastic. Uh, when you get pressure on him, his numbers drop hard, um, and that showed up on when in you know when watching the games as well. So um, I'm going to go with UVA. I think they're going to get some pressure on him. I think they're going to force some turnovers. Um, certainly, Louisville could win if they hit some big plays, but I think I like UVA a little bit more, especially at home. And and if Louisville's COVID concerns aren't fixed, you know, going into this game, that's even better for UVA's chances to win. Um, so I'm going to go UVA 34, Louisville 27. All right, Dave, in the preseason, you had uh, Virginia winning this thing, I think 36-28. No, wait, that's my my score. Just kidding. Um, that sounds like me. You had uh, – I think I had them yeah, losing had this game. 28-20 is what I've, what I've got. Yeah, losing 28-20. to 20. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think with, you know, Virginia having a – Having you know their offense looking better against Carolina, some some time for Armstrong to get healthy. Hopefully Davis back. Um, you know, as far as defense goes, I, I don't know that it sounds like they probably aren't going to have Blunt back or Nelson back. Um, but hopefully it gave the the staff some time to kind of self scout a little bit on that back end and figure that out. Um, you know, and, and it looks like Louisville's going to have at least fifteen players out, which is what that's over ten percent. You know. 15% of your roster, basically. Like, that's hard to overcome, and we don't know how many they're going to have left out that were out before. So it's hard to pick Louisville to win, given all that. But I think it is still – I'm going to make it a close game. I'll pick Virginia to win 34-31. to Because um, you know, as long as they got Hawkins out well in Cunningham, 
I don't know, know if it matters much what they've got otherwise. Those guys, <laughs> those guys are good. They'll score. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this too. Like, I feel like they're going to score um, as well. I, I, I started thinking up numbers in my head earlier, and I was thinking, man, I don't know. I, I have a hard time thinking UVA's defense is going to be able to to really slow them down. That being said, they've been pretty good against the run, so this is a different sort of run challenge, obviously. Um, so I'm going to pick Virginia to win it. I, I think the offense can get can get some um, some stuff going. I'm curious if the the mix between Brennan and and Thompson on the ground. Uh, I think they may have discovered a little something with Simpson uh, in the Carolina game. Um, and I do think that um, that extra time off probably did help the offensive line too because I know they've got a, a handful of like you know sort of small nagging injuries. But um, give me I had Virginia 36 28 in the preseason. I think I'm actually going to stick with that. Um, that feels about right to me. Um, I don't know I I don't know why they would get to the 36, but maybe Delaney just you know has a little bit of a day. Um, but anyway, I, I think as long as the, the key to me, um, not that I'm trying to write Furbish preview here, but the key to me is Virginia just can't turn the ball over, right? Like th- you give that offense more opportunities and they're going to, they're going to bite you. Um, you, you know, against Carolina, you sort of had to like outperform, um, you, you sort of had to outperform them while also hoping your defense could get some stops. This is one where you just hope your defense can consistently get stops because, um, I, I do think Virginia's going to score plenty, um, if they give themselves a chance, um, so, I mean, look, if if you had told me earlier in the season I was going to predict UVA to score 36 against somebody um, in, you know, in the ACC, I probably would not have believed it. Um, that's just a, a function. I mean, a lot of that for me is just confidence coming out of the Carolina game. I feel like they have a much better feel now for who they are offensively and who they can be. So, all right. On that note, I think that's a um, that's all we need for the week. Um I, I feel like we'll uh, we'll have lots to discuss next week as um, Bubbleville grows closer and as we, we get more results. Um, I, I don't know if we should do a full-blown Abilene Christian podcast, um, so I'm, I'm glad we can toss some, some um, basketball conversation in there as well. Um, anything else for the good order before we uh, wrap up? I'll, I'll have one hour of Abilene Christian material ready for next week. One whole hour. Or not. <laughs> wow. Okay. Good on you. I mean, I'm gonna have gonna to be, go we deep, should. Down, deep down the books. Evelyn Christian's gonna be a big game for the old prop bets. That's very um, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've I've got like 37 guys who still need to score touchdowns, so we got to get on with that. I can do a prop bet update. Next yeah, that would be yeah, yeah that would be fun. That would be fun. Uh, if you are somebody who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your programs. And uh, if you find somewhere that we're not, please let me know because I want us to be wherever that is. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod but has not given us a look yet, check us out, CavsCorner.com. Man, I've got a bunch of, like, stuff. Um, <laughs> we've got, like, just people talking all over the place. There's Tony Bennett. There's Bronco Mendenhall. There's the coordinators. There's uh, Brennan Armstrong. Ferber's got a feature on Hauser talking about, you know, getting ready for his his UVA debut. Um so there's there's plenty of stuff up there as well as conversation about um, the ACC um, basketball schedule. Um, so and I mean, Lord willing, the creek don't rise. They'll be there Saturday um, for for the game. So uh, give us a look at the uh, at the old website. Again, I want to thank everybody out there for continuing to support the show. I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously of their time as always. I very much appreciate it. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorn.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.